What's up? Welcome back to Guitar Blah Blah. I know it's been a little while since the last episode. It's been a crazy few weeks. I'm not going to bother giving you the story, man. First of all, it's not guitar related. And uh, second of all, uh, none of it's very interesting. <laughs> you know how it goes. Crazy few weeks. It can happen. But um, speaking of things to do with guitar, though, we do actually have some interesting stuff coming up from yeah axes and blades.com and on this podcast as well so yeah there's some cool stuff that's been in the works i haven't just been ignoring this whole thing um there's some very cool stuff coming up as well that i have been going over working on when i found the time to do so including stuff for this podcast but put all of that in the back of your mind because we're going to spend today and yep indeed the next few episodes doing why do best blabbing on about guitars the whole reason for this podcast um and i actually even better it's not just going to be me blabbing on about guitars because for today's episode and the next few episodes coming up i have a very special guest on it's someone who i've been wanting to talk with for a while um to do an episode on this podcast maybe do an interview thing with accessandblades.com um and i'm really really glad that today and over the next couple of episodes i will be joined by yuha rukongas of rukongas guitars in finland um now if you don't know yuha rukongas or you don't know rukongas guitars you may have actually seen their work something might ring a bell as we're talking um because he is one of the kind of ogs of uh, custom guitars and boutique guitars high-end guitars whatever you want to call them in europe if you kind of look at the fact that we have this community today of builders of groups of builders of these companies of luthiers making these high-end and custom instruments and you want to go back and go where did that start where did that come from we had you know if there's always been individual people building instruments go way 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 back obviously um we've we've always had that um and then we had these companies that came out you know like out for example fender gibson whatever right we have these things that grow into companies, either from one person or group of people. And we have these companies that build guitars in this factory-like way. And that's right there, kind of right at the start of the solid body electric guitar story. But how do we have today this community of these small companies of a small group of luthiers working in a workshop? Uh, maybe it started just with one luthier and their vision then it grew and they employed more luthiers. And now we have these these companies, which are much, much, much smaller than those big ones. They don't have factory production they make instruments in the way that an individual luthier makes them but they're these companies that we know about that um kind of advertise get their names out there have their guitars reviewed in magazines and things and you know they're these small companies that are way way smaller than the medium and large size guitar companies and it's not just that there's one or two of them there are these whole communities of them in the u.s in europe and around the world and if you were going to start kind of unpacking that story um there'd be a few names that would be there right from the early days really right from the start and one of those names would be yuharu congas as well um he's been building guitars been working as a luthier for a long time and has built uh rukongas guitars as a company up today where it, it's gone uh, several highly skilled luthiers there making guitars in really the traditional way not a bunch of high-tech factory method processes in there um, definitely a focus on traditional 
craftsmanship and hand craftsmanship in there as well. And yeah, if you were going to tell that story of how this community built up, definitely you have real conquest would be one of the early names right there on the list of that happening. And it's a real testament to what they do at Rukunga's guitars that are still going, going strong, growing bigger and, and better and better and have, you know, received a lot of acclaim and renown around the world, have fantastic players around the world playing their instruments. And for all that you will absolutely see out there, the incredible skill that they have and that they put into their guitars, you will see beautiful instruments with these insane, beautiful one piece tops and these you know kind of gorgeous custom inlays and all the kind of awesome things you expect from beautiful fantastic highest of the high-end guitars and you will see that out there they can absolutely do that um the focus for me when i look at rukunga's guitars has always been on yep that's there those are options for you but we are building a guitar to be played these are absolutely not guitars um that are focused on just the aesthetics or, or just kind of guitar art these are you know they will build you a real rock and roll machine but but with interesting, unique tweaks and features and a cool bit of aesthetic flair. And it's for you to go out there, express yourself, make music. And that's definitely seems to be the case that uh, lots of other people have noticed too, because there are artists all around the world recording music, playing music live, doing all the stuff you should probably do with a guitar, right? Um, I don't know. I just talk about them. I can't remember. But <laughs> doing all the good stuff you should do with a guitar using Rugunga's guitars, um, which is really cool. Also renowned for doing some really interesting stuff with their building, um, their, their kind of materials, using uh, local woods, including stunning arctic birch tops and things, using moose bone for the nuts. Really interesting stuff. I have talked a little bit about Rukunga's guitars in the past, um, done some guitar highlights, and so I'm glad I've done a little bit about that before, but also, we're going to get on to talking about that over the next few episodes. Um, in this first kind of the first little while of this interview, we immediately go tangent right off. You know what I'm like if uh, you listen to this podcast and Yuha has so much, such a wealth of experience and so much knowledge of the guitar industry as a whole, as well as, you know, what he does in his work and what his team does, that we kind of careen straight off into talking about all these sort of interesting bigger ideas and what's going on in the guitar world right now and um, trends and things that are, are happening and things that are happening in music and guitar music and we kind of immediately start trading off ideas on that but we also go on to talk about all sorts of things to do with his guitars, his approach to guitar making and design and some really interesting choices that he's made over the years um, including with things like the valve bucker and you know why in the world would you try to recreate the pickup or create a, a new paradigm for the guitar pickup when you know immediately what's going to happen is a bunch of people like me are going to come and get on their guitar soapboxes and go you know ranting off for hours on end about like well hendrix didn't need a valve bucker so screw you man um and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, really interesting. Why go off and ex experiment? Why do these experimental things? We're going to get onto all that too. Um, if you are interested just in anything guitar, it's going to interest you, but especially if you are interested in um, what is going on in custom and high-end guitars, but also just what it is like to be in the guitar industry from someone who has really been in it a good long time, has seen a lot of it, a lot of different facets of it, has... Uh, has gained an understanding of it to understand what it is like working with musicians, 
being kind of tangential to the music industry and, and how the culture of that works. So anyway, without any more me blabbing on, um, I'm going to just get straight into it here. And yeah, uh, we'll be back over the next few episodes for more of this. But for now, here's part one of my interview with Yuha Rukungas. Okay, so Yuha, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's a great pleasure um, to meet remotely in these stupid weird times that we're having um <laughs> thank you for inviting me thank you for inviting me no problem at all man pleasure um i'm missing all the shows and all the chances to to talk with people about guitar so doing it virtually is is the best we can do then i'm gonna do it sounds great um speaking of stupid times how has guitar building been for you in in the last year um well, we've been really busy, and we, we have a lot of orders. And obviously, I mean, we can, we can see there's so many perspectives to look at look this look at the situation. But um, so I'm 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 looking at like our clientele, a professional clientele, and mm. it's like devastating mm -hmm. to see what's going on in the uh, for for large number so such a large number for professional musicians and and also so other performing artists as well so mm -hmm. um and and we can obviously see that see that in our business as well that whatever orders there is it's uh i would say mainly not professional musicians it's uh right so what's 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 going on here and i i, I suppose it's a it's sort of a phenomenon worldwide to some extent that um, on the other hand there are people who have now more time in their hands than ever and and hobbyists hobby uh, players yeah, yeah. And, and yeah so amateur amateur musicians and so so we can see the increase on that side which kind of well maybe even each other out so I, I think it's in that way it's it's things could be much worse we have work so ha mm -hmm. have to be grateful for that and then um looking at things from the other side like uh like you said yourself missing the shows mi missing the people missing the community missing missing that element of what this yeah. work is really uh, largely about uh, rather than business it's it's a it's a way of life and it's a um, labor of love of course so yeah mm -hmm. so that's really really um something that i've i've been sometimes struggling with that um, we we are i mean for us living here in finland on the countryside our daily life is not so much affected because we're, we're surrounded more by trees than people anyways. <laughs> so it's not right. like huge crowds of people uh, in our daily lives. But but um, it is surprisingly hard that you don't get mm -hmm. to meet people. And then when you meet people face to face, you can't hug, you can't shake hands, you don't see their faces. And it's really mm -hmm. I wouldn't have thought that it's so 
difficult, but but I feel it's very difficult. Yeah. I think that that's right. That's what I found is if someone's not been like really directly impacted, you know, you know, had to stop working or something like that. Obviously, that that can be really devastating straight up. But if you don't have that, uh, for anyone who doesn't, it's like the longevity of it. It's over time. You know, like one month in, you were like dealing with it, and then. After six months, eight months, 10 months, 12 months now, you start to realize like, oh, I'm getting kind of down and I'm getting kind of stressed. And it's probably just part of our brains that's uh, programmed to be social or to to kind of feed off other people and that positivity is missing. Um, it, it's weird that that seems to affect it. Uh, but the big positive is the guitar industry has done really well um for a lot for the bigger brands but most of the, the the builders that i talk to have have managed to do well and are doing okay um do you think that's that's something like a positivity that can that can last because i remember it was only a couple of years ago when everyone was doing the whole uh guitar's dead guitar's dying music's gonna die all this thing and now suddenly we feel good um comes in waves but you think there's a positivity there that can last a bit of like a, a optimism coming out of this thing hopefully i i, w- I would think so yeah i mean it d- depends on i've been i've been discussing over the past 12 months with different kinds of people on different sides of the business and for example dealers um in the united states who see this huge surge of of uh, business coming their way mm-hmm. and 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 the sales are up like crazy and at the same time a few of these dealers have also told about like um higher rates of uh you know returning the guitar what is what is the term for that like yeah returns you know, sending, yeah, yeah returns yeah, mm-hmm. so they're you know they try and oh it was more difficult than I thought and then they right. <laughs> return the stuff away. <laughs> so I I think it's uh, partly it's gonna be like this kind of things um, like trends are mm-hmm. you know the quicker the trend shoots up to the mm-hmm. skies the quicker it te- also tends to die away and. Um, so it's kind of a kind of difficult to difficult to um, to to predict too far. We have, I mean, a, a long trend of of decline in the guitar playing um, hobby, and you know, mm-hmm. kids not picking up guitar. It's not not the the, the coolest thing you could do because there's so many many other cool things that are fighting mm-hmm. over your time, and and so such a like a, it's a different world so but i think yeah some some sort of effect i'm i'm absolutely sure when when more people do pick up guitar and it becomes like a a trendy cool thing again um will have longer term mm-hmm. um, effects but remains to be seen how, how yeah. much <laughs> I would, yeah. you know, because the, the, at the end of the day, let's say, like, you know, play with the thought. Imagine that, um, I don't know, like, 
you know, there's this there's this number of youngsters who have now started playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, boys and girls, young adults, uh, all over the world, they they picked up guitar. Some number of that will remain. Okay, they're starting out. Blah 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 blah. So, what type of music? What, where will it? How will that show? Let's say in ten years. Mm-hmm. in how we see the whole guitar-driven rock music scene or... Because there's that side of things, you know. The record business, the, the, whole, uh, yeah. the, whole, the whole concept of, of making your living as a musician, that also, it's a different world. And it has nothing to do with COVID. I mean, okay, now it's a special situation the past 12 months, but... Mm-hmm. But uh, with the digitalization and uh, uh, and and the and the record industry um, falling apart more or less, and streaming services not really providing a living for the players anymore, so it's yeah. has become more like uh, it's kind of circle closing to the time before the record industry when. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the only way of making a living was to you know to 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 go out and and gig. Yeah, get on a train, uh, yeah. throw your guitar yeah, on a train yeah. and go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, so it's it's. Uh... But there there are of course I mean I've I've talked about this, and thought about this a lot and talked about it with with many musicians, different age ages musicians about the mm-hmm. the whole uh, the whole scene changing and. And what I would like to see this, uh, the COVID and the and the sort of like the new trend of of young guitar players arising, and more people picking up guitar, uh, is that um, you know if you, if I think of I'm I'm 49 years old, mm-hmm. and when I grew up and as a teenager. You know the bands that I started listening to, the the kind of the revolution of rock music for me, that was mm-hmm. in the early '80s, and in my case, it meant hard rock and heavy metal, the 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 metal music from the uh, the new wave of British heavy metal, for example, like the yeah, Iron Maiden yeah. and all that stuff, and so that was one kind of a, a awakening for musically, and thinking that I was then like what 10 11 12 years old mm-hmm. and and those superstars those rock stars that i was uh following these guys were like 22 23 24 they were young young For guys sure. you know? yeah 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 and 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 another perspective is that it, it was also music that my parents would have never ever wanted to listen to that was like a horrendous music for them <laughs> so there was that element of rebel rebellion and and you yeah, know yeah. that that uh for the kids which is a healthy phenomenon i think and 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 rock music has had that whether it's metal music whether it's punk music whether it was hippies back in the day mm-hmm. and and so so there's been these big phenomenons in this in the in the 50s 60s 70s 80s 90s the grunge scene and and so on but then if you look at what's going on in the 2000s and on 
where is that phenomenon? Where is that rock music phenomenon that would uh, rebel against the previous generation that that my kids are listening and I couldn't stand? I don't see that in rock music anymore. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. it's I would agree. Yeah, I, I mean, outside of music, even the the rebellion becomes the establishment, <laughs> and then something else needs to rebel. You know, if you've got yeah. art institutes, Absolutely. you know, I mean. We don't look at impressionist paintings now and go, oh, shit, that's sticking it to the man. But the yeah. whole point of Monet and Manet and everything, that was all that was all a big kind of fuck you to the exactly. salons and the establishment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now it's, it's you know, seen as old school and traditionalist if you were to, to paint that in a way. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah. this is something I've been kind of obsessed with on the podcast. I did an episode called The Death of Rock Music. Um, No, The Death of Guitar Music. And it was kind of like, I don't think that music's dying. I think there's a lot of people that want to play it. But I think think that the idea of guitar music, like you said, it it was rock and metal. Mm -hmm. That's kind of dying because I see the guitar coming up in prominence in all these other genres where it was really a background instrument right. you know yeah they've always sampled hip-hop you know guitar and hip-hop and it's obviously been in soul music and stuff just as it sits in the background it, you don't really pay attention to them it's all about the vocalist or the rapper or whoever um and now i'm seeing like i was watching a bunch of videos of this recently of you know hip-hop producers who are guitarists and they use the guitar and everything and they write on the guitar and you see under their videos, kids saying like, this is the reason I play guitar, like multiple comments. And you're like, like that is, that's a guitar hero and a hip hop producer. And I kind of see that. And then reading the news about the guitar boom in the last year, the two biggest growth portions of the market were women and Gen Z. And I think that's, you're totally asking that right question of, I don't see it in rock music. So if there's kids playing guitar, where is it? And I think that's the thing that it's just spread. Like some of it's rock music. Some of them are playing hip hop guitar, which is now really a thing. Um, Neo soul guitar and stuff like that. And yeah, I'm kind of wondering if it won't be as an instrument associated so much with like, that's a rock instrument. Like that's a metal instrument. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very fascinating to, to kind of, um, you know, brainstorm and, 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 like you said that you've been obsessed with this topic well i've been, <laughs> i've been a little bit too i i i watch sometimes um this one one youtuber rick beato yeah yeah mm-hmm. and and he did an episode of the same topic at some like this is a, maybe a couple of years ago i i think it was soon after the washington post did the guitar is dead thing right or, or yeah. whatever yeah and 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 so Rick Beato was in his uh, broadcast. He was asking these same questions about, you know, that okay, we had the we had the the metal movement, we had the grunge, we had the punk, we have all these these rock music movements. That where where is the where is the movement now, and where are the mm-hmm. where are the the um, well, let's say that if if one would again go back to well. <laughs> It sounds very like uh, kind of nostalgic and like an an old old chap um, mm-hmm. being nostalgic, but I'm going back to the <laughs> '80s again and thinking like mm-hmm. 1979, 1980, 1981, and if you think of it, you know Eddie Van Halen, 
okay, mm-hmm. the guy is like a superstar, 21, 22, 23 year old, whatever, and, and so on and so on and so on. And these guys, and then, then you ask the question that where is the modern day guitar hero, rock star, living room um, level that everybody mm-hmm. knows? Well, it doesn't exist, obviously. I mean, it's it's clear that there is no... One could start dropping out names, but easily you notice that oh, these guys are actually in the in the you know in their forties or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least in the thir- late thirties or whatever, and and uh, but picking like twenty-year-old rock star that everybody knows, it's just something that seems to have disappeared. And and I was um, kind of. I started thinking after watching that Rick Beato show a long time ago, and I did also, <laughs> I did a video, I think it was mm-hmm. a, about a year ago, or could be a bit longer, about this. And and I, I totally agree on that. Yeah, music is not disappearing anywhere. It's, it's so, it's such a fundamental part of, human ex- human being experience i mean it is it is like it's been there since since um the, since the stone age like mm-hmm. it's the it's the heartbeat it's the rhythm um in in its mo- most like prim- primitive way the chants the wherever music comes from it's been around as long as a human being has has been the conscious had had has had that consciousness that we have, mm-hmm. so I don't think it's going to disappear anywhere. But but of course, I mean, it's it's also a kind of a my my response to Rick Beato back at the back at back at the time when I did my video was more like that that it's it it kind of doesn't help and isn't very constructive to look at it in some kind of a cynical way that that mm. you know things used to be so much better and now everything is like totally screwed which is yeah. not which is not true at all it's just different times and who who has promised that things will remain in a certain way it's like the whole re- idea of a record business it's it's a pretty young business that that you know rose to its heyday and its uh golden era you know, back in the thirties, forties, fifties, and and so so things have changed, and 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 when times change, you kind of have to have to change with the times, and and if you're just looking looking to the rear view mirror, it, it's going to mm-hmm. be a problem for you in the <laughs> in the long I run. Think so. <laughs> so 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 I'm thinking that you know, asking the question, okay, where is the where is the current phenomenon where is the next phenomenon well we're we're living right in the in the middle of that phenomenon and it's just that it's so different because it's everywhere it's it's on youtube it's on and on all the social medias and it's it's scattered yeah all over the place and and as a comparison like 1980 we had eddie van halen when now we have I don't know, 50,000 quote, yep. unquote, quote, Eddie Van Halen's, unquote, like scattered all over the place. Not meaning that they're 
copying Eddie Van Halen, but modern day renewing rock music or whatever type of music in their own way. And they each of these guys have their own tunnel of following in whatever social medias they're doing or whatever YouTube or, or Spotify, whatever platform, SoundCloud, whatever, wherever they are. Mm-hmm. And, and these, um, it's of course, it's something that is really difficult to grasp because each one of us, we just see our own tunnel. We, I just yeah. see my tunnel, whatever I'm listening to, whatever I'm, my, my social media shows me the stuff I have kind of, uh, well, I have liked and I have, yeah, and the, mm-hmm. the algorithm shows me what I, what I like. Yeah. So, so that's, and, and whatever, if there, you know, whatever little genre of music or style of music, um, this is like the, this is like the Renaissance. I mean, this is not in any time of the history it has been possible to to uh, gather like a worldwide mm-hmm. tunnel of following to a certain specific uh, niche genre of, of music wh- whatever yeah. it would be and yeah. so it's scattered all over the place and we, we don't have a we don't have a we don't have any possibility of grasping it and understanding what is what, what what is all that stuff that is going on. Yeah, I I that's exactly how I see it. It's it's you know if you've got that analogy again of like the painters and you've got the mainstream and you've got the rebels, you you, you know the rebels are defined by their opposition to the mainstream, and we kind of don't really have the shared mainstream anymore. You know, there's there's always celebrities. And some of them will will always be musicians because I think that's something that interests us and they can capture the whole world and get very famous. And, and there's celebrities, but we used to have like mainstream musicians that yeah. it wasn't really <laughs> yeah. about celebrity. It was about they as a musician specifically are known. And there's, yeah, now everyone has their own mainstream. Exactly. Uh, it's kind of like, yeah. kind of like head canon is almost a thing. Like, you know, you make the canon of literature and... It's a bunch of professors get together really and decide, okay, these are the most important things. It's like we used to do that kind of as a society with music. We'd go like Eddie Van Halen, most important. And then you can see, you know, he passes the torch to this guitarist. And um, we kind of do that, like you say, as individuals now. And it's really fractured to see how that would be. So to tr- it's hard, though, because I see why, you know, it's as well as looking back to the past, uh, which is a very human nature thing to do and say, how's that going to work today? It's also just like human nature to want to have a protagonist. Like we want there to be one hero. Like we know back in the 80s, Eddie Van Halen's special, but there's still all these other guitarists which were part of that change. But we still like to have one that we can kind of point to and, and, and hold on like the hero. And so we, you kind of see we desperately want to do it now, even though we know there isn't one. We're like... Come on, just give me one superstar guitarist as like <laughs> exactly. my, my protagonist. But I don't think it's happening. I think we got to kind of accept that it works exactly how you describe now. Um, and that's going to affect guitar because guitar community doesn't affect music industry. It's it's the other way around. Yeah, that's, I, I think, you know, going to the guitar industry, um, that's where 
um, things things get quite interesting because, well, I mentioned the term we're living like in a, in a musical sense where we're living a new renaissance, like mm-hmm. really everything is available and more music is probably produced than ever in the history of of humankind like just just a sheer volume of it but but um then looking at that all that you know the fragmentation um and then turning the focus to the guitar industry and and all of a sudden we have an explanation also to the to the another phenomenon which is the the new renaissance of of handmade guitar in right. all its in all its uh, forms all the you know it's and it has happened really quick i would say i mean i've been in the business for 25 plus years now making guitars and when i started in 1995 i could have i mean there was no such thing as boutique guitar scene or community of builders like worldwide whatever it just didn't mm-hmm. exist i mean sure there was local uh, local builders scattered around and who knows how much there was but but nobody knew knew of each other because all the small guys they were really most of the small guys were local and then those yeah. those few that handful on your like in the on, on European level, it was a handful of us who were yeah. striving to kind of break through from the local scene, and we, you know, scraped up every penny that we could to get go to the Frankfurt Music Messe. That was basically the in Europe the only possibility to show yourself mm-hmm. to an international audience and um, a show that was absolutely completely designed for the the industry for the for the mass produced this and that mm-hmm. but but not designed for for handmade guitar it was just not the scene it was kind of crazy thinking back like how how costly it was and how cumbersome it was and how out of place someone <laughs> like us were in that scene Mm-hmm. Um, but but that was the only way if you wanted to do that if you had that kind of um, well lunacy <laughs> lunatic <laughs> idea of of conquering the world as a as a one man show or or whatever like I like I was at the time when I went there first time I was still a one man show and and it, it kind of doesn't make any sense like if you start crunching the numbers it it's absolutely insane but yeah but i but i had to do it and and because it, it was just there was no um there was no option for me it was just an unyielding something that i felt that this is me this is what i have to do but yeah but there was just a handful or two of us very small number of builders um and the same thing in the united states and and now looking at like literally, I don't know, probably thousands of thousands of companies, one man shows maybe mostly, but 
still mm-hmm. thousands of companies making some level of international career making guitars. Then plus all the tens of thousands, either mm-hmm. local part-time builders or hobby builders, whatnot. So yeah. it's it's a it's a it's it's overwhelming on one sense, but <laughs> but on the other hand, it's I would say that it is very fascinating um, if you look at that similarity with the fragmentation in the in the in the music scene, and then the same kind of fragmentation with the handmade guitar scene, mm-hmm. where um, you could see a um, Com- common thread of you know that okay if there's this niche group of players who need a certain type of guitar then there can be mm-hmm. those niche builders who make instruments for this niche of music and so on yeah. and so on and so on so and, and and this can I mean this is happening it's it's totally happening and it's also something that right now the big players, the the major manufacturers, they're with the COVID at least. Their business is booming like crazy, yeah, yeah, for sure. But if I were to predict the future, you know, and thinking of the, still, I think that maybe the overall within the next ten, twenty years. It could. I would say that most likely the guitar business as a whole will shrink. That's my that's that's my prediction that it will mm-hmm. as a whole it will shrink, but not necessarily on the small builder side. Because the okay. big players, I feel that they're the ones who are. They're such huge ships that it's very difficult to turn those ships. Right and and the big players, they're also they're old companies that are typically um, prisoners of their own past in a certain way. It, mm-hmm. It's it's very difficult for them to renew themselves, and not necessarily because they couldn't do it, but the problem is that people shoot them down when they try. They don't. People don't accept anything else than Telecasters from them, from sure. a certain one of them. Like they, you know, if you, yeah. they, you know, Fender brings out anything else than what they what they did in the fifties, and people are ah, oh, that sucks. That's a stupid <laughs> guitar. That's a very ugly guitar. They just look at it in very different eyes mm-hmm. than that same new Fender guitar would be looked at if it would come from a small builder. You know I what I mean? Think so yeah, 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 yeah. And and I think it's a pity in a way because these attempts from Fender, Gibson has had different kinds of attempts to to that world, and 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 other Yamaha has had attempts to that direction, and many others to kind of to, you know get a piece of the pie of the boutique guitar market, mm-hmm. but. It seems to be very difficult to penetrate that, that invisible wall of, you know, that you you guys are making the strats and the tellies, the 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 original ones, mm-hmm. and 
whereas the small builders have especially in an increasing amount have have really a freedom to do what, whatever they want to do it's more yeah. and even there's now with the with the shrunken world that that we live in there's even a possibility to make a living in making something very strange in small numbers absolutely. <laughs> yeah absolutely make a big name for yourself in that way I think that's true that, you know, I've, I've struggled with that in stuff I've written about in the podcast, this idea that the guitar industry is really conservative. Um, and it's and it's this weird thing where I go back and forth there are some ways where like undeniably it is, you know, like uh, certain certain environments and certain situations where we're quite conservative. And then um, there's other things which I look at, which is like if you look at how much the instrument has changed. So if you take solid body electric guitar, it's changed so much in 70 years. I can't think of another instrument that's gone into so many different forms. You know, if you look at inbuilt effects and the weird synthesizer electric guitars from the 80s and double necks and triple necks and all these things, it's it's kind of mad. Um, and that's kind of another example that people are, are super conservative with these older companies, actually because because of the shooting down of new new ideas but those same people will actually be open to ergonomic out there body shapes and inbuilt effects and things from smaller builders it's just that brand power is yeah a, a double-edged sword it it helps the brands they can like rely on that to sell thousands of guitars but it's it's kind of a ghost a little bit for them as well it kind of haunts them yeah it's it's something like you know gibson would be a very typical um um this kind of like a heritage brand where yeah. where they're safe they're absolutely safe as long as there's buyers for for gibson les pauls and explorers mm-hmm. and the ones and the stuff that was made in the 50s they they're going to be safe sure and and the better they um cherish that heritage and that um legacy mm-hmm. yeah legacy brand would be maybe the maybe the correct term and right and the better they um care for that and the more skillful they are in in making the best of it as mm-hmm. long as it lasts um yeah, it's it's gonna work. It's gonna work for them. But that's the thing that um, how much um, nostalgic Gibson Les Paul players will there be in twenty years? That's the question. I mean, it's it's like we're looking at a really huge shift in um, because you know the reality is still that. <laughs> I am now 49, but in 20 years, I will be 69. And mm-hmm. and and most of that era of rock musician that I grew up listening, they will be gone. I mean, a lot of them have already been gone for years, but it's times are changing. And I think that's true. I, I think I did, a, I did an episode recently comparing Fender and Gibson on how they seem to approach the future. And I said, I, I think Fender do a better job because it's it's almost like 
you know, Gibson, after they had the bankruptcy, started doing all this online stuff and mm. actually trying to engage in the community, which they just weren't doing before. And, and people were pretty, you know, they were losing some of that legacy because the next generation wasn't really seeing yeah. why they were valuable. They weren't really online. They didn't really put that effort in. And since then, you know, it's been a few years now and they make these amazing, super cool documentaries on their Gibson TV channel and stuff. But it's all, you know, Kirk Hammer and Tony Iommi and it's all these guys. And I love watching it and, and you would probably enjoy watching it. But yeah. when you look at Fender's channel, that's where I found some of these like hip hop producers that are big guitar players and these neo soul guys. And they do live streams and they do like these animated kind of videos of like behind the song and it's kind of like an extra music video that tells the story behind the song almost a little bit and it's very like modern content like i look at the fender stuff and i'm like i can see 18 year olds and 19 year olds that i know watching this and the gibson stuff i'm like this is cool but this is not for the future this is still yeah, still just glorifying the sixties and the eighties, <laughs> and there, and there is also a, a fundamental um, fundamental difference in in how Fender and Gibson are. What is what what is their perspectives in? Um, like you said, that the the way Gibson is doing it is not the future, but but if you think of it, <laughs> what what Fender is doing. And I, I agree with you. I mean, Fender is doing. They have great people. They have great Absolutely. people in in. Um, whatever, who, whoever are developing their brand and and marketing mm-hmm. and that, that stuff because, because they, I get the feeling. I, I watch some of that stuff too, and and I get genuinely the feeling with Fender that they are talking to me as a play they are talking about they're concerned about you as a player and they they want to help you becoming a better player they want to kind of genuinely it feels like they are um there for you right yeah yeah. they're they're more Mm -hmm. acting as a the content they're putting out it's more acting as a guide than being the Mm -hmm. hero of the story but right. but with Gibson, that's the difference. They're the hero of the story all the time. Look at how great we are, and look at how great our legacy is, and look at how great past we had. Mm. And, and you know, putting the, these guys like Tony Iommi, like I'm a huge fan of Tony Iommi. But but marketing wise, these videos where they put uh, Tony, Tony Iommi sitting in in a church into this, yeah, uh, on, on the, yeah. Like raising him onto a pedestal, and mm. and making him the the the, the the guitar god that he unarguably is for mm-hmm. for my generation of, of of people and i totally i don't have anything against that per se but uh-huh. but for the future an absolute no no it's like it doesn't, yeah. <laughs> doesn't that's not the way to do it if you want to engage new people and that's the thing with like talking about business running a business if a business cannot attract new audience, mm-hmm. it's going to be in trouble sooner yeah. or later. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that goes for big or small. And uh, it was just, 
Mm-hmm. It was just fascinating to watch that that fundamental misunderstanding. They were like, you know, okay, we need to get our shit together. We're going to put so much effort in, hire a film crew, and you're like, okay, great. And they make this stuff, which is is probably, you know, it's it's on the like merits of filmmaking, probably higher quality than a lot of the Fender stuff. But just to see that they had this fundamental misunderstanding of what it is they needed to do. Yeah. It's like they did the wrong thing, but they did it really, really well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is maybe some kind of slogan that Gibson should consider at some point in the future, doing the wrong thing really well. But but I don't know how marketing would like that pitch, but... (laughs) I Still, I have to say... Gibson Les Paul was my first love with, with, with what comes to electric guitars. So, you know, I I've, I have very um, warm feelings about that that legacy that fe, fe, that Gibson. I mean, yeah. I, I, and I'm I'm saddened by the fact that that well, people are bashing what, whatever they are doing, and they they've done some really bad decisions over the past years and and especially before the bankruptcy it was just just horrible to watch what's going on and 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 <laughs> yeah. it still is to some extent and and with their going after the small builders and you know we're we're coming after you <laughs> whatever they had this campaigns <laughs> oh, about yeah. jesus christ it's um but um so they they they've done really bad mistakes and and it's it's too bad because because it is it's it, it is a brand with such a rich rich history and they've been able to renew themselves back in the day many times and yeah yeah so i it's just sad to sad to see so i'm i'm hoping all the best for them and and hoping that they would they would find a find a find a new direction and somehow come over this mm-hmm. somehow come over this but we'll see yeah we'll see. time time will tell us i hope so too i mean i think unless someone really hates the brand i think that's how most of us feel like it's fascinating to watch them make these decisions and i don't like to bash gibson i love to try to think about what they're doing though because i feel like i don't know it's like a fascinating case study because they make so many odd choices um and they do so many things which are almost self-contradicting. Like they have the bankruptcy and everyone instantly, you know, starts airing their grievances, which I, I wasn't really aware of at the time. That was actually kind of where I became aware that everyone had all these problems with with Gibson because, you know, I was just seeing them everywhere and I thought they always sounded great whenever they whenever I heard them and the, the ones that I interacted with were good. And then everyone starts airing these grievances and you look into it and, uh, you know, they're blaming the, oh, of course they've gone bankrupt, you know, they can't even build a guitar, right? And the bankruptcy was nothing to do with the guitars. They made a, a billion in revenue that year of the bankruptcy on the guitars. Yeah. It was all this, it's all this debt that they took on elsewhere. And I thought that was, that was, that was when I got really interested because it was, they were kind of like this odd ball of contradictions, this, this company that kind of does everything right and seems to do everything wrong at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I. It's also I have to, I have to, say that when I when I've kind of observed and and looked how Gibson is doing and 
maybe especially with their with their latest direction with the with the legacy stuff and um I can to a certain extent I can I, I can relate I can understand why this is happening it's it must have something to do with 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 the difficulty of you know stepping outside the box of mm. you know when you're living if I think of my own business having done this for 25 years it is really easy to um you know f- familiarize and and mm-hmm. fall into routines where you're yep. kind of repeating the same and you you just don't seem to kind of be able to see outside that little yep. sandbox that you're sitting in and uh, making things your way and there i think there is that danger when when then there are people that are admiring what you're doing like I, I, I have, of course, like I'm not comparing myself to Gibson, but in a, in a, in my in my <laughs> microcosm <laughs> where I live, believe it or not, I have also admirers. <laughs> I've had I've had admirers over the years, and and it's 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 um, it's a slippery slope where mm-hmm. you start seeing yourself as the hero of the story that you're fundamentally not right right you know? and and in that way i can i can understand that what, what's happening with gibson and they they're just just not able to sort of grasp themselves out out of that out yeah. of that mindset and because um, i found myself in similar situations over the times and luckily i have people around me who are kicking my butt and <laughs> <laughs> And are are courageous enough to tell me the truth that look. Yeah. Those people are useful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And they're they're let's say they're useful if I have the self confidence and let's say integrity to and and humility to listen to these people and look the truth in the eye. Right. And mm-hmm. and accept that oh darn <laughs> it looks like you know <laughs> it it looks like as 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 little i want as i want to admit it but it looks like <laughs> this <clears throat> this idiot is correct and i <laughs> yeah and sometimes you want to admit that privately a lot more than publicly yeah <laughs> Okay, so that was part one of my interview with Yuha Rukungus of Rukungus Guitars. Tune in tomorrow if that sounded interesting to you. If you want to hear more from Yuha, we're going to talk about Rukungus Guitars a little bit more, some of their specific offerings, some of the interesting choices that they've made and things that they've done over the years. So all you need to do is tune in again tomorrow, and tomorrow's episode will get into part two of the interview. So I hope you enjoyed that. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Be sure to go and play a bunch of guitar. And I'll catch you again tomorrow.